We meet today in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to verse 17. We are looking at the church now, and the church will be a bride. And specifically today, we are talking about the engagement of the church. There is really a mixing of metaphors in this book of Ephesians. In chapter 4, the church is called a new man, and now the church is to be a bride. The emphasis of this chapter is on the future. The church will be a bride. The church is not a bride of Christ today. The church is a new man who is walking in the world. And the church is engaged to Christ, but is not yet wedded to him. The wedding hasn't taken place yet. The church will be a bride with Christ after the rapture. Revelation chapter 21 verse 2 and verse 9 tell us, Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. Then one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowels filled with the seven last plagues, came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. Now, on this earth, we are to walk as a future bride. We are engaged now. And this is what Paul wrote to the Corinthians about. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 11 verse 2. You see, my friend, when a girl is engaged and is preparing for her wedding, she doesn't have time for her old boyfriends. She won't be going out with Tom tonight and then with Dick tomorrow the other night and with Harry the following night. No, no, no. She is engaged and she has no interest in them anymore. How can we who are now engaged to Christ live as the world lives? Why would we go out tonight? Why would we go out on a date with the world again? You see, we are going to be presented to Christ someday. We are going to live with him throughout eternity. And he is going to be our Lord and our master, the bridegroom. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 and verse 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Now, therefore, he connects this section with the preceding where the walk of the believer is under consideration and continues the injunctions for the Christian conduct. These injunctions have a definite bearing upon the church which will be presented to Christ without spot or blemish. Such a high and lofty goal, which is entirely the work of Christ, is a compelling dynamic for chaste conduct here on earth. We have learned that the Holy Spirit indwells every believer and he seals every believer. But that we can also grieve the Holy Spirit is something we learned. If we engage in those things mentioned in chapter 4, verse 31, it means we will grieve the Holy Spirit. But it does not mean that we are no longer children of God. It does mean, however, 
that the unsaved world won't believe that we are the children of God. We are, however, sealed by the Spirit of God until the day of redemption, the day when the Spirit of God will present the church to the Lord Jesus. And the goal should lead us to holy conduct, to chaste conduct here on earth. The believer is to be an imitator of God, especially in the matter of forgiveness. However, this applies to all aspects of the Christian walk. The Gentiles who formerly walked on a very low plane are now lifted to the higher level of love. They are now called dear children or beloved children. The plane of love to which they are lifted is the love which Christ exhibited when he loved us enough and given himself for us in offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. This is a clear-cut reference to the cross, my friend. It makes the death of Christ more than the public execution of a criminal. The cross was the brazen altar where the Lamb of God was offered as the burnt sacrifice. That sacrifice takes away the sin of the world. It identifies Christ with every sacrifice that was offered in the Old Testament by God's command. They all pointed to Christ. Now, it is in view of the substitutionary, vicarious death of Christ upon the cross that the believer is to attain to such exalted plane of love. The believer cannot walk with a grieved spirit, for only the spirit can bring forth this fruit in the life. Remember that love is first on the list of the fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. Ephesians 5 verse 3 and verse 4. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse joking, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse joking, which are not fitting but rather giving of thanks. Now the sins that are described here are those which are prevalent among unbelievers. They are the common sins in the world today. All of them have to do with the low forms of immorality. And Paul is saying that the child of God cannot habitually engage in these things. Even a slight indulgence brings about a revulsion and agony of soul. If you can get into sin and not be troubled or bothered by it, then you are not a child of God. But if there is conviction in your heart, you can rise and go to your father as the prodigal son did. You are the son of the father, and only sons want to go back to the father's house. When you as a child of God go to God to confess your sins, you don't just bundle them up and hand the bundle to God. It is not a wholesale affair, my friend. Rather, you spell out each sin to him. For example, if you have a biting tongue and a gossip who hurts people, you tell God what your sin is. When you go to God in confession 
and name the specific sin, it restores fellowship with him. These sins are the sins that believers drop into sometimes. When they do, they are to confess them to God. The great need of all believers today is to go to God and tell him what is really in our hearts. Many Christian people feel that they have committed an unpardonable sin, but they have not, my friend. There is a way back to God, and that way back to God is confession. In these verses also, another form of sin was named fornication. Fornication is accepted by the world as a norm of conduct. It is a sin that is looked upon as not being very bad. But fornication is sin, regardless of where you are or who you are. If you are living in fornication today, you cannot be a child of God. A child of God cannot confess a sin and then persist to live in that sin. That is a dead giveaway that such a person is not a child of God. Other sins are all uncleanness. This includes all forms of immorality. Covetousness is a grasping desire and not just for money or material wealth. It may be a desire to be mentally superior to someone else. It could be coveting a home or a position. Some people love to be president of something. Of course, it also includes the covetousness for money. It has been said that the miser thinks dollars are flat so he can stack them, and the prodigal thinks they are round so that he can roll them. <laughs> Whether one stacks them or spends them, covetousness means gaining everything for your own selfish ends. Some people today try to garner together all the honors of this world. Some ministers of the gospel even want a position in their denomination or in their community. Covetousness is a rotten sin that is in our old nature, the flesh. And Paul said, such sins, any of them, let it not even be named among you. This means that they are not to be spoken of with approval or desire. Obviously, I am naming these things with neither approval nor desire. And so what it is saying, you cannot talk about these with approval or desire. Filthiness. Actually, filthiness speaks of the utmost in depravity. These are the low, down, dirty things one hears today. Foolish talking means to gloat or brag about sinning. Have you ever heard men or even women boast about how much they drank at a party or how much they have conquered in the sex game, how much they are winning even in defrauding a legal system? That is foolish talking, my friend. And then there is coarse jesting. This does not mean good, clean humor. Jesting means to make light of sensuality and immorality, just making it light. It means telling dirty stories. Dirty stories should never be named among God's people. What must God's people do but rather giving of thanks? That is to be the context of Christian conversation, giving thanks to God, encouraging one another. In chapter 4, we had been told that he who gives a corrupt word should no longer do so, but only 
consider that which is profitable to the hearer in a manner that gives grace. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Ephesians 5 verse 5. Now it is clearly understood that the unregenerate man who practices these things has no portion in the kingdom of God and Christ. If a professing Christian practices these things, he immediately classifies himself as an unbeliever and not belonging to the kingdom. No matter what his testimony may be on Sunday or what position he may have in the church, such a person is saying to the lost world that he is not a child of God. To live in the corruption of the flesh is to place oneself beyond the pale of a child of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. Ephesians 5 verse 6 and verse 7 In view of the fact that the wrath of God will be poured out on the unregenerate because of these sins, it follows that the child of God cannot participate in them without incurring the displeasure and the judgment of God. If such a person is really a child of God, God will judge him. He judged David, you may recall. When David slipped into sin, God put the lash on his back and never took it off. We read First Corinthians 11 verse 31 to 32. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. My friend, if you can sin and get by with it, you are not a child of God. Do you know why? Because God would have to condemn you with the world, which would mean that you are not saved. If you really are a child of God, and to do these things, God will discipline you. He will take you to the woodshed right there and now. If God doesn't discipline you, you are a frightful person. You are in a terrible condition. It means that you are not his child. You are an illegitimate child. Because God does not spank the devil's children. No, he leaves them to the devil. Here is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 to verse 10. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Paul here reminds the believers of their former state prior to conversion, before they became Christians. They were not just in darkness, they were darkness. Now, we speak of unregenerate as being in darkness, but it is worse than that, you see. They are not only in darkness, they are darkness itself. Now you are light in the Lord. This means we are to reflect the Lord who is the light of the world. Paul identifies the fruit of light. He marks out those characteristics which always accompany light. That is, in all goodness, which means kindness, righteousness, 
meaning moral rectitude and truth, referring primarily to sincerity and genuineness. The believer is to prove or test his life in this manner to see if he is in the will of God and therefore well-pleasing to him. You will remember that First John chapter 1 verse 7 speaks of walking in the light as he is the light. What does it mean to walk in the light of God? It is walking in kindness, in goodness, in righteousness, and in truth, which is sincerity and genuineness. And this is to be our walk seven days a week, not only on Sunday, my friend. It means 24 hours of those seven days and 60 minutes of every week walking in righteousness, in kindness, in truth. Here is Ephesians chapter 5 verse 11 to verse 13. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. You see, we are to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. A child of God simply cannot go along with the works of darkness as light and darkness cannot mingle in the physical world. For the things done in secret by them are even shameful to speak of. We are not even to talk about them. Rather, we are to expose or convict them. This does not mean that the believer is to become a reformer, no. It does mean that by the light of his life, the believer is a rebuke to the works of darkness. Light reveals what the darkness conceals. Darkness is not driven away by preaching at it. Darkness is dissipated by the presence of light. Someone has said, stop cursing darkness, switch the light on. There are too many Christians today who take the critical method or the preaching method. They try to correct an unsaved person by saying, you shouldn't be doing that. My friend, that is not the way to approach darkness. You are to be light. You cannot preach to people about these things. You cannot tell them what to do and not to do. You are not able to win a person to Christ by lecturing to him and telling him what is wrong. You are not to try to get the unsaved man to change even his conduct. He cannot change his conduct. He needs to be born again in order to change. You are not to shake your finger under his nose and say, Don't do that. Don't be a bad boy. That is really out of place. Your duty is to be a light. And light will always affect darkness. How effective is your light, my friend? Ephesians 5 verse 14, therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Here is a command which is humanly impossible to obey. How can a person awake from the dead? How can a person awake out of spiritual death? Well, only God can awaken us. I think what Paul means here is that the believers who have fallen into a spiritual stupor are to wake up. Here is Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 to verse 17. See then that you walk 
circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now here is my own translation of these same verses. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but be as wise men, buying up the time, because the days are evil. On this account, become not senseless or foolish, but understanding, being prudent, what the will of the Lord is. You see, this is another injunction regarding the walk of the believer, and it is a wonderful one. The believer's walk is to reveal the agency of the hour and the importance of living for God. Now redeem the time. The entire objective in his walk is to stay in the will of God. He walks in the will of God as a train runs on the track, on the railway line. His walk in this world demonstrates that he belongs to Christ. My friend, when you walk into a place of business, you will find the salesman in there on their toes. He is a dynamic. If a man is a child of God, how does he act when he is not in his place of business trying to make money? Is he on his toes? Is he dynamic? Is he living for God? The believer is to walk in this world as though he belonged to Christ. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please write to the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620 South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620 South Africa.